Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, you're about to get smarter in just a few minutes with Curiosity Daily from Discovery. Time flies when you're learning super cool stuff. I'm Nate. And I'm Callie. If you're dropping in for the first time, welcome to Curiosity, where we aim to blow your mind by helping you to grow your mind. If you're a loyal listener, welcome back. Today, you'll learn about the possible return of the Tasmanian tiger, the future of hurricanes, and how one animal shelter made a stunning discovery. Without further ado, let's satisfy some curiosity. Researchers digging through the archives of a natural history museum in Stockholm, Sweden, came across the dried-up remains of a 130-year-old thylacine and decided to do a little testing. Thylacine. I know that word. Haven't we, haven't we talked about them before? We have. The thylacine is another word for the Tasmanian tiger. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, marsupials that went extinct Kind of a while, not not that long ago, right? Yeah, exactly. So these creatures were pretty amazing. They looked kind of like a dog or a wolf with tiger stripes, and their mouths could open almost 90 degrees, which made them really striking to see. And like you said, even though they looked like a dog and they were named after a large cat, they were actually marsupials. Okay, so remind me, how and when did they go extinct? Okay, so, well, the last remaining population of these guys roamed the Tasmanian countryside. As sheep farming began to take hold in that area in the 1800s, shepherds and sheep farmers started laying the blame for livestock killings on the Tasmanian tigers. Pretty soon, they found themselves with a bounty on their heads. A hunter could get money for each adult kill. Okay, and if there's a market for it, forget it. I'm sure they were hunted out pretty quick at that point. Yeah, I'm I'm afraid so. The last of them died in a zoo in Hobart, Tasmania in 1936. There are still pictures of it, in fact. It is pretty crazy to think that there are still people who were alive before the Tasmanian tiger went extinct. Well, and here's the thing. We might be alive when the Tasmanian tiger finds its way back through de-extinction. De-extinction? Yeah, okay, so check this out. So, Back to this museum in Sweden. Researchers found the desiccated remains of a thylacine that was over a century year old, and they decided, I mean, what the heck? Let's take some skin and muscle samples and see what kind of genetic material we can find. Mm, I might be misremembering, but haven't they already decoded the thylacine's DNA? Okay, okay, they, they have, but that's not what they were hoping to find. They wanted to find the animal's RNA. As we've talked about before, DNA is the code or the set of instructions, but RNA can tell how the cells carried out those instructions. So if DNA is like the blueprint, then RNA is like the construction crew that builds the cells. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's, that's actually a really good way to look at it. So this particular specimen has been stored at room temp, basically in a drawer, so they didn't have high hopes. RNA is notoriously fragile, but to their surprise, they found RNA. Wow. So what does that mean exactly? Well, first and foremost, this opens up the possibility of bringing back extinct species. So that's actually on the table here. 
I mean, yeah, sure. The findings for this research could be pivotal for future de-extinction efforts and could lead to groundbreaking discoveries and conservation initiatives. But researchers are also sort of blown away that they were able to gather the RNA at all. The fact that they could extract it from a specimen in such bad condition really challenges our understanding of preservation techniques and will absolutely open up new possibilities for studying ancient specimens. Hmm, woolly mammoth, anyone? (laughs) Exactly. There are a ton of animal species on the brink of extinction. Conservationists and scientists can use all the tools they can to ensure biodiversity, even if that means bringing some species back from the dead. Is Jurassic Park still off the table? Is that maybe an option? There is like a series of movies that explain why that's a bad idea. (sighs) Fine. But I agree, it sounds really fun. (laughs) Idalia? And Lee, what do those names have in common? Ooh, I know this one. Uh, They are both country western singers from the 1950s. Not that I know any songs from the 1950s that are country songs, and you don't want to hear me sing them anyways, but am I close? Oh, close, uh, but actually not close at all. (laughs) Uh, These were two of the monster hurricanes that churned up in the Atlantic Ocean this year. Oh, yes. Of course. I was testing you. Yeah, sure. sure you <laughs> okay, so it's it's actually been a weird hurricane season, right? Oh, totally. In fact, scientists have been pretty surprised by what's going on, and they've had to keep changing their seasonal outlooks as time has gone on. Okay, so what makes this season so weird anyways? To understand what's so weird about 2023, you kind of have to understand a bit about the usual hurricane season itself. So the Atlantic hurricane season goes from midsummer and peaks sometime between August and October. What happens is that warmer ocean surface temperature fuels the storms, right? The, the warm water evaporates more easily, and it's like the gasoline that powers the storms in the atmosphere. Okay, so I think I got it. So if there's warmer surface temps, you'd probably predict a more active hurricane season. And I know that the oceans have been super hot this year, right? Record-breaking. Some parts of the Atlantic off Florida were reported to be over 100 degrees. But here's the thing. Scientists aren't just looking at ocean temps. They're also looking for something called wind shear. I've heard that term before, but never really knew what it meant. Okay, so imagine the whole atmosphere, like all of the air from the ocean all the way up to the edge of space. If you have one single wind blowing at the same strength and in all the same direction— then that's a mighty wind. Yes. Now, hurricanes love that. But wind shear is when you have a bunch of different winds in that same zone. So you've got them blowing in different directions and at different altitudes and at different speeds. So wind shear kind of chops up the atmosphere? Exactly. Hurricanes do not love that. When there's a lot of wind shear, those hurricanes usually have a hard time staying together. And in an El Nino year, we usually see a lot of wind shear over the Atlantic. Wait, but isn't this an El Nino year? Yep. But haven't there been a lot of hurricanes? Yep. (laughs) And not only that, many of the Atlantic hurricanes have seen rapid intensification. And that's where they level up super fast. The technical definition of rapid intensification is when a storm increases in wind speed by at least 35 miles per hour over a 24-hour span. But these storms have jumped way beyond that. Hurricane Lee went from 80 miles per hour to 160 in less than a day. 
Hurricane Lee became just strong enough to be named and then turned into a Category 4 hurricane in 36 hours. Okay, so El Nino means this shouldn't be happening, but it is happening. So what's going on? Uh, It has a lot to do with those record-breaking ocean temps. And those temps have a lot to do with... Climate change. You got it. Our oceans are absorbing an incredible amount of heat, and that makes it incredibly hard to predict how the weather will behave. The data has shown that hurricanes have been getting stronger, and rapid intensification is happening way more frequently than it has in the past. And that could have huge impacts for coastal populations. Hurricane Idalia was called a billion-dollar storm because of the amount of damage it caused. So this might be a silly question, but how do we stop a hurricane? We explode a nuke in the middle of it, just blows it up, destroys the hurricane. <laughs> okay, but for Flawless real. Plan. We don't. We don't stop a hurricane, unfortunately. Scientists are gathering as much data as they can to make early predictions more accurate and to have a better understanding of just how climate change and the warming oceans will affect our daily weather phenomena. But a wild, unpredictable hurricane season full of broken records and monster storms is just more reminder that we need to start acting on climate change. Yeah. Otherwise, we're going to end up with, like, Sharknado. That, I mean, that was a tornado, not a hurricane. But, you know, you, your point stands. You're right. Thank you. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Back in 2021 in Brazil, a dog was rushed into a veterinarian clinic after having been hit by a car. The vets who received it immediately noticed something strange about this little lady. She had the eyes and the bark of a dog, but the long, pointed ears and slender body of a fox. Hmm. Uh, so what was it? (laughs) Well, here's the thing. Things got even more mysterious when the animal was recovering from its injuries at the Center for Conservation and Rehabilitation of Wild Animals, and it wouldn't eat dog food. But when staffers offered it rats, it chowed down. And then they noticed that it would climb up into the bushes to sort of perch. (laughs) A perching dog that only eats rats. I mean, what kind of cute, cuddly monster is this? (laughs) Well, that's what they wanted to know. So they underwent some genetic analysis and found that she had 76 chromosomes, which was like a lightning bolt moment. Okay, well, I'm sure it was a lightning bolt moment for, you know, them, the the researchers. Ah, But you're going to have to explain a little bit more for the rest of us. (laughs) Okay, that's fair. So domestic dogs typically have 78 chromosomes, but a creature known as the pampas fox has 74 chromosomes. As you know, everyone and everything that is born comes with half of their chromosomes from their mom and half from their dad. Wait a second. So the pampas fox has 74 chromosomes. Half of that would be 27. Dogs, you said have how many? Uh, Dogs have 78. Okay, half that is 29, so 27 plus 29 is 76. Ah, see, lightning bolt, right? Okay, so this creature was some kind of hybrid. Well, not only was she a hybrid, she was the first dog-fox hybrid ever found, and that could have surprisingly huge implications. Huh. So they're both canids, right? 
doesn't this kind of thing happen all the time, or at least couldn't it happen? Well, I mean, in short, sure, but it's not all that likely. Dogs and pampas foxes do have a common ancestor, but that common ancestor roamed the Earth nearly 7 million years ago. When they tested the creature's mitochondrial DNA, that's the DNA that comes from the mom's side, they found that its mother was a pampas fox. Okay, so I get that it's probably not all that common, but then how did this hybrid happen? They are calling this hybrid the dog shim, and the how and the why are part of what's causing so much concern among biologists. First, they think that this animal could be the tip of the iceberg and that there are likely other hybrids out there. They're concerned that habitat loss and degradation is putting these two species into closer contact, which is causing hybridization. Okay, so that makes sense. So the dogs and the pampas foxes are starting to share the same space. Uh, we've got foxes, you know, where we live, and obviously there's dogs around here too. So does that mean we could get a dog-fox hybrid here too? Well, okay, so actually, no. Pampas foxes are genetically quite different from the red and gray foxes we have here. And while it might seem super cool to have a hybrid, it's actually not great for the pampas fox. They just aren't used to all the diseases that domestic dogs can spread around, so this kind of contact can be deadly. Plus, the pampas fox is a master omnivore in the wild, and as smart as our pet dogs are, they just don't have that killer instinct. Okay, so then the idea is that this new hybrid? The dog shim. Right. Uh, it's not going to have the kind of wilderness smarts that a purebred pampas fox has. Exactly. Oh, okay, so did did they release this one back into the wild? Well, okay, no, here's the sad part. About six months after it made a full recovery, it died. The researchers don't yet know the cause of death, but they're looking into it. And now they're on the hunt for more hybrids in the region, which could shed light not only on the species' evolutionary history, but on the complicated ways human development is encroaching on wild spaces and the effect that it's having on biodiversity. Let's recap what we learned today to wrap up. Scientists have cracked the genetic code of the extinct Tasmanian tiger, uncovering its cellular secrets and opening the door to potentially bringing this fascinating marsupial back to life. This groundbreaking research not only reveals the hidden biology of a bygone species, but also fuels our wildest dreams of resurrecting long-lost creatures. Many Atlantic hurricanes this season have seen rapid intensification fueled by record warm ocean waters, and scientists believe this is a stark reminder of climate change's impact on extreme weather. As these storms rapidly grow in strength, they leave coastal communities with limited time to prepare, emphasizing the urgent need for climate action and improved disaster preparedness. In a jaw-dropping discovery, scientists in Brazil have uncovered the world's first dog-fox hybrid, a mysterious creature dubbed the dog shim. This remarkable find, with its unique blend of genetic traits, challenges our understanding of evolutionary boundaries and raises concerns about the impact of hybridization on wildlife conservation in the region. Curiosity Daily is produced by Wheelhouse DNA for Discovery. You can follow our show wherever you get your podcasts, and we would love it if you could take a second to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.